Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kyle Hubbard. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. Good morning. I feel really loved by this church. I just want to say that before I start. And I love you guys. So today is part two of a message that I began two weeks ago entitled, Moving God's Heart Through Oil, Wine, and Water. Now, the core of this message was inspired by a YouTube worship moment of the song that we sang at the very end there at the time of worship. And as I sang along to this YouTube worship moment a few months ago, I was in my car just worshiping Jesus, and I was overcome by each line of the chorus that we just sang. Each line of the chorus, like oil upon your feet, like wine for you to drink, like water from my heart, I'll pour my love on you. As I sang these lines, the Holy Spirit showed me that all three lines of this chorus were actually scripturally prescribed ways that I, myself, and all of us could walk out and fulfill the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord our God, to love Jesus with all of our hearts, souls, mind, and strength. And as I meditated on these three realities, these three substances of oil, wine, and water, large swaths of Bible stories and scriptures related to these substances started to flood my mind, and and it actually inspired me to craft these sermons that I'm delivering to you guys as a church family. Well, last time we looked at the first line of that chorus, like oil upon your feet. Two weeks ago on July 17th, the entire message was devoted to looking at scriptures that showed us how we can positively move and affect and actually please the heart of the God of the universe through our giving of oil to him. That message is up on the website and our podcast platforms. Thank you, Sloan, for doing that. If you missed it or maybe you want a refresher on how you can give God oil from your life. Well, this week we'll be looking at what the Bible has to say to back up the next line of the chorus, like wine for you to drink. In this message today, we're going to see how we, in the midst of all of our weaknesses, all of our wanderings, We can actually give to the heart of Jesus a real substance in the spirit, a substance that will bring him real joy as he sits in the heavens and governs the universe. We're going to see from the Bible how we can bless and actually enrapture the very heart of God with real spiritual wine from our lives. And just a reminder, this three-part message, I'm going to talk about water the next time I'm delivering to us is nothing more than a biblical exposition and an explanation intended to back up the first part of our church's mission and vision statement, which is written on the wall right out there in the lobby. Move God's heart. It's right there on the screen. Move God's heart and change the world. That is the mission, the core mission of this church. God has summoned us and commissioned us as a church to collectively and individually, but together with all the saints, move his heart. That's what we just did in worship. This mini-sermon series on oil, wine, and water is all about slowing down and processing 
and working out practically what it means to move God's heart. And as we introduced last week, moving God's heart is our church's three-word distillation. It's a three-word distillation of the first and greatest commandment from Jesus in Matthew 22, which I said earlier, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The mission of my message is to show us that this commandment and the first three words of our mission statement, to move God's heart, is not just possible, but actually very doable in the grace of God. It's so doable to positively affect his heart. I aim to show us from the scripture that it really is true that God's heart reacts. It reacts to us. It reacts with sincere pleasure and enjoyment in response to our weak efforts to worship and obey him. And this is a reality, guys, that I believe we can't be reminded of too often. We all desperately need to see from the pages of the Bible that it is actually possible to move and please God's heart through our lives. Why? We need real verses to act like superatomic weapons in the spirit, to overcome the accusations and lies of the enemy that scream at us daily that God is mostly mad and disappointed at us in our weakness. That is the constant scream of the enemy, that God is mostly mad and disappointed with us. That's just not true, though, for the sincere believer. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And we need scriptures that scream the opposite truth to us. The rock-solid truth that even the weakest, sincere glance from our eyes towards God literally fills his holy heart in heaven with supreme pleasure and delight. So that's what we're going to continue to do today. We're going to see how we, again, little old folks like us, can give to Jesus real wine in the spirit that will invigorate and, dare I say, intoxicate his heart in a holy way. All right, so first we'll look at how we can move God's heart through the wine of our sincere love for Jesus. Everyone say, sincere love. That's the first way we can give wine to God. We're going to start where we left off last time with Song of Solomon 4, 9 and 10. And I do believe these are the most amazing and empowering and encouraging verses on this subject in the whole of the Bible. If you find one better, just let me know. Here it is, Song of Solomon 4, 9 and 10. He speak, this is God speaking to little old us. He says, you have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes. With one link of your necklace, you have ravished my heart. How beautiful is your love to him, my sister, my spouse. How much, here it is, how much better than wine is your love to the heart of God? We saw this last time, but it bears much repeating. The heart of God is ravished, undone, with one look from our eyes, with one link from our necklace. And just a reminder of what those phrases mean. One look of our eyes, what is this? This is one glance in faith, one weak glance in faith with the eyes of our heart towards God's word or presence in prayer, reading the Bible, or worship. What is one link of our necklace? The neck in scripture is symbolic for our will. So this one link of our necklace is one small act of our will. It's the smallest act of obedience motivated by genuine love for Jesus. 
the one that no one else sees but him. Now, what do these one looks and one links do to the heart of God? They ravish his heart. We saw last time these startling synonyms for ravish. They'll be up on the screen right there. What does ravish mean? Imagine your one look and your one little small act of obedience doing these seven things to the heart of God. Violently seizing the heart of Jesus in heaven. Stealing his heart. Captivating his heart. Enrapturing his heart. Undoing his heart. Thrilling his heart. Causing his heart to beat faster. (laughs) This is what we do to the heart of God. I can't get over this. John 20, 29, Jesus said to Thomas, he said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who has seen Jesus in the flesh face to face in this room? Some of you might have had an open vision with him. This verse is for you. Blessed are you. You're here on a Sunday morning worshiping Jesus with all your heart doing your best to obey him, and you haven't even seen him. How much does this move his heart? How much faith does it take to sing to the invisible God? It moves his heart so much. These glances with the spiritual eyes of our heart are so ravishing and moving to God's heart because they prove that our love and faith is real. It's real. Even when our physical eyes or our physical senses can't perceive him. Just because we don't feel it doesn't mean he doesn't feel it. Just because we don't feel it doesn't mean he doesn't feel it. He's way happier with you than you are with yourself. He's way happier with your sacrifice of praise than you are with your sacrifice of praise. (laughs) Our desire to look at God through his word through prayer and through worship, and our desire to serve and obey him with the links of our necklace. It's these desires that prove that we have a real love. Not just a love in words only, but a love with action, Abigail. Albeit small and seemingly insignificant actions. But oh, how significant these small movements of our heart are to God. Oh, how significant are the cups of cold water given in his name to his heart. This real, authentic love for Jesus, proven by these small actions, you know what it does? It causes him to explode in verse 10 with this startling statement. Song of Solomon 4.10. How much better. How much better than wine is your love. To me, that's what he says over you. It's like the finest, our sincere love is like the finest wine to his heart, but better. It's imperative that we get this truth embedded in our spirits. Our love to the heart of God is better to him than the finest vintage on planet earth right now. Now let's think about it simply, practically. What does wine do to the human heart? Wine brings happiness and cheerfulness. Wine makes people feel better temporarily. Psalm 104 says, God brings forth wine that does what? That makes glad, happy, the heart of man. Judges 9.13, the Bible says this, new wine cheers both God and men. 
God's not afraid of wine. He's afraid of abusing it, but he's not afraid of wine. Think about it. God could have chosen any substance in the universe to liken what our love is like to him. Any substance he could have chosen from. He could have created a substance and said it's like that. But what did he choose? He chose wine here. It's also cool to note just how unique each one of our flavors are to the palate of God. We have unique flavors of wine, each one of us to give to the heart of God. Just like there's no duplicates of human fingerprints or human voice signatures, there's no duplicates of you, of your fingerprint or your voice. So too, there are no duplicate vintages of wine that are the same to God's heart. Literally in the world today, I looked this up, there are over 10,000 different varieties of wine grapes. Over 10,000. All 10,000 of them possessing a unique flavor, aroma, texture, and shade of color. Think about you in that sentence. (laughs) It's interesting to note that the number 10,000 in the Bible, it occurs 45 times. 10,000 does in the Bible. And it almost always represents a number that was countless, innumerable, as far as the eye could see. That's what 10,000 represents most often in the Bible. When John saw angels and saints, 10,000 times 10,000. What's the math on that, a billion? He, he wasn't saying there's literally a billion. He's saying it goes forever, as far as the eye could see. A lot, a lot. <laughs> so when God said that our love to him was better than wine, we can imply even from the great variety expressed in nature that each one of us delivers to his heart a different flavor a unique shade of color, and a -a one-of-a-kind pleasant aroma and taste. I saw this in the IHOP U, the the five who've come down to our community this weekend. All of them are so unique. But they all bless the heart of God immensely. They're all so beautifully unique, and they all add a different puzzle piece to God's amazing tapestry in the universe. That's true of every one of us in the room. This brings out a bigger point. The God who owns nearly everything in the entire universe has voluntarily chosen to not own one area in the universe. Do you know what area that is? The human heart. You reading my notes, Frederick? (laughs) No, he's a scholar. That's why. The geography of the human heart is the only area that God has voluntarily chosen to not own. That's startling. God leaves us the choice to give them this, give him this area or not. That's why the wine from our hearts of love is so meaningful to him, Noah. It's so meaningful to him. This loving God so longs to have your unique heart, your unique vintage in his heavenly wine cellar forever. He wants it there. So in summation of this first point, our sincere love for God brings him an authentic enjoyment. Authentic enjoyment. Our sincere love marvels and moves his heart with lasting merriment and cheerfulness that is even better than what the finest wine could offer to the emotional chemistry of his heart. This is staggering to me. Let's not get over this reality as a church. Let's not get over this. <laughs> let's, let's even say it together. Everyone say, my love for God is better than wine. My love for God is better than wine.
Say it one more time. My love for God is better than wine. Come on. Let's put out the wine distilleries in our area. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, if we're drinking of the new wine of the Spirit, we won't even have to go there. So we'll jump now. By the way, I, I won't cross that line because of my history. Just so you know, I'm giving a whole message on wine. And it's my vow to not drink wine again until the new, new Jerusalem like Jesus had that vow. So just so you know. This is spiritual wine, of course. Uh, people are just tuning in. They're like, why are they talking about wine so much? Golly. Is he, uh, is he getting paid by some distillery? Is he going to throw up a logo at the end? No. <laughs> Sponsored by, no. Sponsored by the Bible. So we'll jump now into the second way that we can move God's heart through the wine of our lives. This one is an intense one. Just, just so you know, so buckle your seatbelts, your proverbial seatbelts. It's the wine of our self-sacrificial love expressed through first daily deaths to self in service of others. Daily crushings. Everyone say daily crushing. Second, it's the wine of our self-sacrificial love expressed through the willingness to be a true martyr. Literally lose your physical life for the cause of Christ. Is a second way we can give wine to the heart of God. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus defined here in this verse what the high watermark of love is in his estimation. He defined it here, the high watermark of love in his estimation. It's self-sacrificial, self-denying love for others. Now, we also just saw in Song of Solomon 4 that our love to God is better to him than wine. So we can rightly make a connection between these two verses and an implication that nothing makes the heart of God more happy than the wine of our self-sacrificial love for him and others who we call friends. Nothing pleases his heart more. And you know who was one of Jesus' friends? He actually called him friend right before he went to the cross. None other than Judas, someone just said it, Judas, his betrayer. He called him friend. So this list of people to lay down our lives for, guess, guess who it includes? Our betrayers and worst enemies. <laughs> no one can be excluded from this list. Even those people crossing the border there, we are to lay down our lives for them even. Just FYI. Self-sacrificial love is the most pleasing spiritual wine to the heart of God. It's the most quality vintage in his heavenly cellar. This quality of love brings his holy heart the most enjoyment and pleasure. Now, if you're thinking this call is pretty extreme, it is. But just know that Jesus has called every single last one of us, all believers, all disciples, to this lifestyle of laying down our lives daily. Luke 9, 23 then Jesus said to them all, if anyone, everyone say anyone, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What happens on a cross? We die. <laughs> the wine of our blood is spilled. Symbolically, death to self happens on that cross every single day for each one of us. 
Now, most days we won't spill actual blood in our self-sacrificial love for Jesus and others, but in the spirit, whenever we deny ourselves and our own passions and pleasures in holy pursuit of Jesus' passions and pleasures for others, whenever we do that, we, in a sense, willingly crucify our desires all over again each day and symbolically, again, in the spirit, we offer to God a well-pleasing drink offering of wine from our lives when we do this. Jesus' desire is realized and his heart is ravished by believers who live out this verse in Luke 9. Now in the mid-90s, my hero, my dad, seriously, get to hang out with my hero every day. <laughs> seriously. In the mid-90s, the Holy Spirit spoke to my dad a little phrase when he was in the middle of a three-day water fast. Were you on your third day? Three-day water fast on the third day. He was in intense physical pain. The Holy Spirit spoke to him a truth that backs up this reality that we're seeing from the scripture. The Holy Spirit whispered to my dad, he said, I love the smell of burning flesh. That's what the Lord said to my dad. I love the smell of burning flesh. Now the Lord was being allegorical here, of course, symbolic. The Lord said, and he said this in regard to believers who willingly chose lives of self-sacrificial surrender and obedience. The Lord just loves it when we lay down our life for others. This is similar and related to this offering of crushed wine, crushed wine that we can give to God. Just like a grape is willingly crushed to be made into wine, we too can choose daily to be willfully crushed for the benefit of others. I'll say that again. We too can choose daily to be willfully crushed for the benefit of others. We can choose, even in a big scope, we can choose to have our little personal dreams and ambitions crushed in exchange for Jesus' better and bigger dreams for planet Earth. Why should I get my little dreams fulfilled when his dream to have every tribe, nation, tongue, and language worshiping him forever hasn't been realized yet? Who cares about my dream when his dream hasn't been realized yet? That's what this lifestyle and reality brings out, and it's so pleasing to the heart of God. Now, the familiar story of the Good Samaritan illustrates the self-sacrificial love for others so well. Most of us know the story. The good Samaritan died to himself in so many profound ways when he made the calculated decision. He made a decision of his will to cross the road and stop to care for this one beaten and battered Jew. This good Samaritan died to his own comfort, his own schedule that day, his own convenience, and even his own financial needs in that hour. This Samaritan died to the cultural and societal norms of the day that forbade him to have any relations with that Jew. And he also died to his religious differences that could have given him an excuse to not stop for this one. Like, well, he's of a different religion, so maybe he earned this, this place on the side of the road half dead. What a sterling example of self-sacrificial love expressed in a daily death by this good Samaritan in order to care for someone in need. Now let's tie it to a scripture of Jesus from Matthew 25. Let's remember that Je what Jesus said happens when we care for people in need. Matthew 25, starting in verse 37. This is what Jesus said about this whole idea of dying to ourselves to serve others. 
Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or when did we see you thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king, that's Jesus, will answer and say to them, and he's saying to us today, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You did it to Jesus. So when that Samaritan poured wine, remember this message is about wine, when that Samaritan poured wine on the wounds of this Jew in need in order to practically kill bacteria and act as a disinfectant, when the good Samaritan did that, he was essentially pouring wine on Jesus himself. Jesus made this reality plain here in Matthew 25. Assuredly, I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, specifically the Jewish people in need. And there will be so many Jews in need in the, in, in the decades to come as persecution only increases towards the Jewish race. Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, the Jewish people, you did it to me. And we can extrapolate it to all people in need, of course, but it's primarily the the Jews in need, and this person on the side of the road was a Jew in need. Now, this brings out a much bigger reality than just wine on a wound. Whenever we sacrificially die to our own desires in the service of the least of these around us, those precious souls in need, it's like we are serving the heart of Jesus himself. This gives me so much motivation to clean the house for someone to come over and host him. Right? These, these, it gets really practical. When we feed people natural and spiritual bread in Jesus' name, when we give thirsty people natural and spiritual drinks in his name, we are, in essence, feeding and giving drink to Jesus himself. We're giving wine to his heart. This moves his heart. He made it plain and clear that it did. Now let's look quickly at how God's heart was moved by the example of Paul, his poured out life of self-sacrificial love for Jesus and all the people he served. We'll also see here Paul's ultimate willingness to literally lose his physical life in martyrdom for the cause of Jesus. 2 Timothy 4.6, what, what many believe to be some of Paul's last recorded words, he says this, Paul writing to Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure, the martyrdom, is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, the day of his appearing. And not to me only, not just to Paul, but also to all who love his appearing, poured out like a drink offering. What does this phrase mean? Well, in the Mosaic law in the Old Testament, literal drink offerings were holy and acceptable means of sacrifice to the Lord. A drink offering brought wine in before the Lord and poured it out at his altar. It's like you coming with a bottle of wine and pouring it out at the altar here. You might have to pay for carpet cleaning after that. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a way to give wine to God as a sacrifice, just as an animal might be given as a sacrifice. 
And the Bible actually called this sacrifice of wine a sweet aroma to the heart of God. Well, this was Paul's life before the eyes of God. A sweet-smelling and sweet-tasting drink offering. Completely poured out. Not one ounce was left on the table for Paul. A life fully lived for the glory and praise of God. And in verse 80 or 2 Timothy 4, we actually see just how moved God was by the wine of Paul's well-lived life. God was so moved, by the way, that Paul, for over three decades, over 30 years, poured out his life like wine for him and others, that God prepared a unique victor's crown of righteousness for Paul upon his arrival to heaven after his impending martyrdom in Rome. Now, this crown, as I said before, it wasn't just for Paul. The last part of verse 8 there makes it plain that there's a victor's crown prepared for all who what? Love Jesus' appearing. They love the second coming more than they love their own physical life on this earth. That's who gets the victor's crown. God is so seized. His heart is seized with joy and appreciation by ones who are willing to lose their one and only precious life in the line of service for him. How do we know he's moved? He knits and fashions special eternal rewards for those types of people who possess this willingness. Revelation 2.10, another place that shows how moved he is by this kind of lifestyle, this kind of heart posture. He says, be faithful until death, meaning don't deny me even when the gun's up to your head or the guillotine is ready to drop. Don't deny me. Why? Because I will give you the crown of life if you endure until that moment. Revelation 12.11, we often like to quote the first two parts of this verse, first two parts, but the last part is so key for the end time church. It's actually, I believe, essential for the end time church to live out the last part of this verse. And we overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony, and we did not love our lives unto death. Going even further into this subject, Revelation 6 makes it clear that God has a specific appointed number of martyrs planned in his heart to be fulfilled before his return. And Jesus' brilliant omniscience and leadership, he knows the exact number of martyrs that it will take to produce the greatest amount of heart response in the end time church. He's brilliant. He knows the exact number, not one more, not one less. But I believe this, that everyone will have to answer this question in your heart before the end. Am I willing to lose my life? It's going to touch us that close. It might be a family member. It might be a friend. It might be someone down the road. It's going to be so close to our neighborhood, not just in Iran or Pakistan, that everyone's going to have to settle this in their heart. We're going to have a chance in just a moment to settle this in our heart, that we can choose on July 31st, 2022, I am willing to lay it all down for his glory. Lastly, we'll look, Marissa, you can come up. Lastly, we'll look at the third and final way that we can move God's heart with wine from our lives. It's through the wine of Jesus' blood in our mouths through the act of taking communion. The Lord showed me this this week. It's the wine of Jesus' blood in our mouths through the act of taking communion. You know that grape juice and that cracker or the wine if you're in a 
more liturgical church. <laughs> God is greatly moved, guys. God is so greatly moved by the wine of his own son's blood in our mouths as we take time to remember his atoning work and come into union with him through the act of taking communion. He is so moved by this. Why can I say that? Isaiah 53.10, a shocking verse, says of the cross. It says, yet it pleased the Lord. It moved the Father's heart to do what? To crush Jesus. It moved the Father's heart to crush Jesus. Why? Because he knew the joy on the other side. And he knows the joy on the other side of all of the crushings that he has appointed for each one of us every single day as we say yes to him and serve others, and even that willingness to lay down our physical lives for his glory. It doesn't get any better to the Father than the wine of the lifeblood of his Son. So when we take the time to remember this offering of Jesus and partake in his body and blood, the bread and the wine, when we do this, we are bringing real delight to the heart of God. Now just take a step back from heaven's perspective. Imagine the angels looking in on you. Imagine the true faith that we exercise. This is an exhortation. This is an encouragement I'm about to drop on y'all. Imagine the true faith that the angels peer into when we take that wine or that grape juice and actually believe, we really believe when we take that communion that it will have the same cleansing and healing and delivering power that the original blood of Jesus had 2,000 years ago. Do you know when you take communion, it's as if you are stepping under the very cross of Jesus and being drenched in his cleansing, delivering, healing, freeing blood. Do you all believe that when you take it? That's startling to the angels and the Father. He, he's so pleased and moved by that faith. Again, it's something you can't see, but it's real. I've taken communion and gone from feeling depressed or anxious to feeling free because <laughs> it's real. Hebrews 11.6 says it is impossible to please God without faith. So what is that? what's the opposite mean? When we have true faith, it's so possible to please him. And communion is a true action step of faith. It's the third and final way we can move God's heart through wine. I know there's other ways in the Bible. This isn't an exhaustive list, but I only have like 35 or 40 minutes, so that's what we got through today. <laughs> Y'all can stand to your feet. So let's respond now to these three ways as a church family. Just a reminder, each of, three, each of these three ways shows us that we are able, we are able to deliver sweet and aromatic wine to heaven's throne every single day of our lives. Now these were general ways, and I know that each of these three general ways, under the umbrella of each three, there will be many different unique outworkings and manifestations depending on our individual gift mix, our assignments and our seasons of life. It's gonna look different, but whatever it looks like, it all counts to God's heart. And each practical outworking of wine from our lives really will bring great joy to the emotions of God. First, we looked at our sincere love for Jesus and how Song of Solomon informs us that one 
little glance, one little look from the eyes of faith in our hearts towards God's word or presence, one look and one act of obedience motivated by sincere, sincere love is to God better than wine. Second, we looked at how we can give to God the wine of our self-sacrificial love expressed through daily deaths, daily crushings to self in service of others. And we saw the, that same point, the wine of our self-sacrificial love expressed through the willingness to be a true martyr for the cause of Christ. Third and finally, we just looked at how the simple yet profoundly powerful act of communion moves the heart of God. Just imagine this in heaven, God on the throne, the Father receiving a fresh wave of joy from the faith we exercise each time we partake of the wine of his son's blood through communion. A fresh wave of joy hits his heart every time you do that. Now to respond this morning, I want us to meditate, to think upon, that's what meditate means, to think critically upon, to chew upon each one of these general ways that we can give to God the wine of our lives. Let's take 30 seconds, they'll be up on the screen here. Let's take 30 seconds and think through each of them quietly and ask God how you individually are to practically engage in these and walk them out personally in your life. Let's just do this for 30 seconds. Say, Lord, show me how I'm to give you wine through each of these three. If you want to give God more of your sincere love, that first way, that is to him better than the finest wine, I just invite you to raise your right hand right now. Say, I want to give more of that wine to him. Your right hand, raise it right now. You're raising it to him in heaven. If you desire to give to God more of your self-sacrificial love expressed through daily crushings in the service of others, I invite you to raise your left hand now. Be more self-sacrificial with those around you. Amen. If you desire to give to God the wine of your self-sacrificial love expressed through a willingness, this is a key word, a willingness to be a true martyr for the cause of Christ, just wave your hands to heaven as a wave offering, saying, it would be an honor to be counted worthy to be in this full number of appointed martyrs that must come before your return. You're saying, if it be appointed for me, only you know, God, if it be appointed for me, but if it is, I say yes to that real cross, if it be real. You know, God is marking down in heaven these moments right now. He's gonna say, July 31st, they settled it in their heart that they were willing to go all the way for me. He might have some martyrs in this room. He really may that, that fill up that full number, which once it reaches the full number, Jesus comes back. It's part of his program. And lastly, if you desire to please the heart of God by more frequent acts of taking communion, maybe make it a daily exercise or a couple times a week, but the response here is 
more frequently. Again, wave both your hands to heaven like a wave offering. Say, I wanna, I wanna give you waves of joy every time I put your son's blood in my mouth. Amen. Y'all are amazing. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.